Friends, this is Reverend Christopher, and you're listening to Peace in Every Language. Peace in Every Language is a travel podcast that celebrates the wonder and joy of travel, as well as reporting on the constant comedic follies that inevitably meet us in life away from the places that we call home. We will see how the notion of peace, that Old Testament ideology of wholeness and fulfillment, are present throughout the world and how we experience it and bring it home again. This segment of Peace in Every Language will follow us through several episodes as we travel through India and Nepal, and we are so glad to have you here with us today. Well, there's been a lot going on these uh, past few days. One of the uh, biggest markers, I think, to um, this trip as opposed to other trips that I've taken in the past has been the train travel. Um, Of course, if you go anywhere else in the world aside from uh, the continental states, (laughs) um, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna ride a train. We've made some choices, some purposeful choices this time to ride trains as opposed to um, taking uh, inter uh, flights. And I think I think it's going to be a great idea. The the trains in India are kind of a, a, an amalgam between uh, the train travel we do have uh, in in the U.S., which is of course expanded. There's lots more trains. There's lots more folks. There's lots more uh, options and places to go and that kind of thing. And uh, also uh, air travel, because there's, a, there's just a totally different level of service that we don't see in the States. Uh, one of the reasons I like traveling by train in the U.S. is that there's just a lot less pressure. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's uh, less pressure to get there so far ahead of time as opposed to air travel. Uh, the seats are bigger, roomier. Um, of course, the trade-off is it takes longer. But... Uh, same thing happens here. Uh, the trains are a little bit faster, actually, or, or maybe they're just very uh, pretty widely. We um, rode uh, today, and, and one of the comments um, from somebody that had been uh, in India before was like, I think that's the fastest train I've ever been on. <laughs> uh, it shaved like 20 minutes off the time, so I guess just depending on what else is on the rail at that point. Uh, but yeah, the level of service is amazing. It's so good. It feels very, very posh to to be in your seat and to just to have folks constantly coming by and uh, bringing you tea and all kinds of stuff. So that's been really, really good. <laughs> Oh, okay. 
The other thing that's been really great is uh, being able to see the country going by. Of course, that's all the stuff that you don't see when you are in the air. <laughs> um, just some really neat small vignettes of folks here. Um, I saw a little kid up on a wall uh, flying a kite. I actually saw the kite first and then followed the string down. Um, there were a bunch of girls in a village that we went through uh, playing double dutch. And, um, you know, lots of people on farms working and fixing track and doing soldering. It's just really, it's just fun. It's fascinating. It's kind of like watching a PBS special through your window or uh, kind of following a Sesame Street uh, program about what are the people in your neighborhood doing today? <laughs> um, so and that, that part of it's been really great. The interesting piece about that, and there are a lot of, I feel like there are a lot of um, juxtaposed pieces um, to being, um, in India especially, maybe, um, than, than some other places that have been um, in uh, South America, or Middle America, um, being over in Haiti, um, Eastern Europe, um, just, you know, I've been to some of the other places in the what we might call uh, the developing world, um, which certainly some places in India uh, still still are, and in some places are very modern. Um, but the 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 two pieces that I see are kind of exemplified in this uh, um, our experience that we had on uh, New Year's Eve. So a friend of mine and I here, uh, Dana, we're getting ready to go out. We were already out for dinner and came back to the hostel just to put some things away. Um, I'd gotten a few things at the shop. And so we came in and of course, and this is normal for the developing world, uh, places are, are um, walled off with gates. And um, almost all of them will have uh, security personnel of one kind or another, even if it's just uh, some uh, good person who's standing by the gate. Um, not always armed, but uh, sometimes. Uh, and some of the hotels that we've been at, they've had bomb-sniffing dogs and uh, mirrors to look underneath the buses as they come in. But um, at the hostel, it was just it was just a really a really good guy who we came to know over the past couple days. So we came in to drop some things off. It was about 9 o'clock. Um, 
and we had the intention of going back out to uh, this bar that we'd seen uh, called um, Lord of the Drink, which we, <laughs> you know, it's too good. It's too good a Michael Flatterly reference to not uh, go experience that. Um, and on our way back out, uh, the desk clerk uh, asked, and was like, oh, are you, going, are you going back out? And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he was like, uh, till when? And he said, well, probably, you know, a little after midnight we'll come back. And he got very concerned and shook his head, and he was like, no, 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 don't, don't do that. And we are like, huh, okay. Well, there is definitely wisdom in uh, accepting what the local folks have to say <laughs> about your plans. Um, especially, I feel like, uh, in a country like India where uh, there's uh, reluctance to kind of impose their own opinion on your plans. Um uh, I'll tell you another story later about that. But we decided, we were like, okay, well, we need to take that into consideration, certainly. So we kind of was like, okay, well, we'll come back earlier. And he was like, okay, yeah. Um, so on the way out, we were talking. We were like, well, maybe we'll just, like, go get a drink and kind of celebrate and toast and just come back. Maybe, like, you know, 10, 30, 11. So we got to the gate. And um, the the guy at the gate uh, said, oh, are you going out? Because the gate was already closed. You know, it was closed after dark. And um, usually he'll open it if you're going to the shop or something. We were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go out. And he said, well, where to? And we were like, well, just to, you know, go out, maybe maybe go to a, a, a bar or something, get a drink. And he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, which is kind of that national sensibility, it was very odd for him to just shut it down. He was just like, no, that's not that's not a good idea. Uh, we talked a little bit more, and I got the distinct impression that uh, he was holding some things back because of Dana being there. Uh, but what he was saying in a roundabout way was that it basically was not safe for Dana in particular to go out as a woman. Um so plans for the evening, we came back inside, we just, you know, kind of made our own fun and, and went to bed early. So come to find out the reason that uh, they were so insistent on um, kind of not interfering with our plans, but, you know, giving their opinion was that uh, previous New Year's, uh, there were a lot of, not a lot, but uh, many rapes, you know, and how many is a lot when you're talking about rape? <laughs> Uh, one is one is far too many. So, um, so that was the reality that they were trying to protect us from, and they were skirting actually saying that because uh, of their um, desire to be sensitive to, to Dana as a woman, and that is just I, I feel like speaks uh, volumes about the the country in general where. There are folks that are deeply, deeply caring and deeply, deeply hospitable uh, in a way of just desiring to make your experience good and um, to, to be able to come alongside someone, even, even uh, the folks on the train who are bringing tea. Um, to be able to come and be super appreciative of those actions creates this awesome uh, mutual hospitality. You know, uh, it's a two-way street kind of hospitality that, that is just, uh, I think, a blessing for everyone involved. Now compare that to uh, another kind of um, 
social mentality, and it's not an it's not a national mentality. Certainly, and and the U.S. and every developing or developed world has folks like this. Of course, there's evil everywhere, but it's a social understanding that on these great celebration nights the value of women somehow is decreased or uh, in some way it is uh, an explosion understanding of the good old boy system that we saw um, in the recent trials for Supreme Court. You know, we definitely, regardless of your political opinion on how that shook out, we definitely saw... Uh, a good old boy, pat them on the head, kind of boys will be boys uh, sense about uh, Kavanaugh's past, and that kind of dredged up, again, not being political, but just like seeing how that dredged up uh, current thought for a lot of people, and how they were reacting and talking to one another, like, well, you know, boys will be boys, and they're going to drink, and, you know, sometimes, and it just, it just laid bare Again, and I know it's been laid bare uh, many times in, in in a lot of different situations, uh, especially lately with uh, Harvey Weinstein and 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 uh, some of those other things that, that came to light. Um, I heard somebody the other day uh, refer to like when Harvey Weinstein like happened, like, well, it didn't happen. It's been happening, and it probably still is happening, but it came to light certainly at a specific point in time. But all that to say. It's just an interesting difference um, between those two things. And like uh, the trains where uh, people are traveling, people are doing all this, um, you, you have this uh, excellent uh, sense of hospitality on the train being served. Um, and then you also have um, folks who are uh, more visible in terms of uh, people that are seeking help, um, people that are begging on the, on the streets, on the train platforms, that kind of thing. Um, that was pretty fascinating, too. And I'll kind of kind of take a break from um, uh, our discussion about uh, New Year's and, and just talk about this for a minute. The uh, folks that are here looking for help, um, who are just looking for, for money or things like that, uh, it's a lot of kids first, which I think is striking to a lot of people from the West. Um, there are uh, populations of children who are either sent out or, or largely on their own in some cases um, in, in a lot of countries. And uh, if you've never traveled outside the U.S., um, you might know, well, of course, yeah, the U.S. has um, homeless folks. And certainly has homeless children and certainly has homeless families. Um, but we don't see that as much. It's not in our field of view. Um, maybe that's because it's easier. Uh, we talked about this a little bit uh, the other day in Richmond, Virginia, where I'm from right now. It, there have been conversations I've had with folks that didn't know about entire neighborhoods that existed in Richmond because uh, – because of uh, racism, Richmond kind of built itself up to be a place that would um, exist or uh, be available for people if they didn't want to ever ever look at those neighborhoods or ever touch those neighborhoods or ever get close to those neighborhoods. So the roads are orchestrated that way. The um, housing is orchestrated that way. The, the grocery stores, all the municipalities, things like that. 
So here you've got um, uh, a mom with two young kids holding a baby uh, just in your grill, tugging on your arm, uh, putting her fingers to her to her lips, uh, asking for for um, food or money, and that can be striking. That can be um, painful, um, and that can be uh, problematic. <laughs> I think um, there's two philosophies. One, I think, uh, comes from uh, when when. Uh, Helping Hurts, which is a really great book uh, that talks about how we interact with um, uh, in-need or at-risk uh, populations. And there's also just the philosophy and, and research that, that backs it up. It just says, like, the best thing to do for folks who are in need is to give them money. Um, uh, programs that do microloans and things like that are based on that kind of philosophy. And so... If you're not prepared for it, it can take you a minute to wrap your head around it and be like, oh, okay. Not only does this person exist, of course they exist uh, in, in the universe. We know they exist in the world. But here they are. Here they are right here in front of me. And so that's just another dichotomy of, of uh, traveling here in India is that um, – we're going around on on kind of a tour, and we're staying in in some hotels and in some hostels and things. And also, uh, we need to be aware of um, what this other side of the population is like. So, the last thing I wanted to just relate to everybody was a meeting that we had with uh, one of the Christian bishops from Pakistan. He was older in his 70s and I'll try to put the um, I'll try to put his spell his name out <laughs> in the comments. I'm, I'm not going to attempt it right now, but it was a really excellent meeting with him. He came down. We were up uh, in a town that was really close to the border and so he came down across the border with his wife who had never been to India and had a lot to say about uh, when the divisions were drawn, when the lines were drawn, um, had some really interesting things to say about how uh, Pakistan was kind of a testing ground for the state of Israel uh, versus uh, the Palestinian nation that was already present there where lines were just kind of drawn um, uh, without regard to the population that was actually there. Of course, uh, this is uh, a Christian, and we're in uh, India, and these are both places where Christians are in the gross minority. But uh, he just reminded us uh, that uh, the nation of Pakistan was created uh, as an Islamic state, which is fine, except there was no mention or no thought given to the folks uh, of other religions who already lived there, uh, namely Christians. And he said it was um, really damaging and harmful uh, for him and hard, hard for him to uh, be able to kind of recreate this, this new understanding of where he lived and, and where his home was. He was a pretty amazing person to talk to, to listen to. He talked a lot about something that I had been talking to my daughter about, um, which was finding family. And uh, this kind of reflects this other piece. We were uh, hosted at uh, someone's home, and one of the first things they said to us when we came in was, Welcome home. 
as a way of greeting us as we came through the gate. And I was just, I, was, I don't know, I was really struck by that. Uh, of course, we tell people welcome all the time. Uh, but just to go that extra little step and say, hey, welcome home to someone you've never met before, to someone you're having in your home for the first time, to say welcome home. Uh, it seemed like it had connecting pieces with um, what the bishop was saying in terms of finding family. And what I'd been talking to our daughter about. Uh, we have uh, a, a levy of aunts and uncles um, who are not technically blood-related. <laughs> there's, there's, there's some uh, friends who we've shared blood and sweat and tears with, and <laughs> I'm not sure if that counts as blood relation. It should after a while. Um, but I told her uh, that, my daughter, that uh, some family you're born with and some family you find along the way. And that is uh, a lot of what um, the bishop was, was talking about in terms of uh, finding a new family in Pakistan and, and uh, having connections with people uh, across the border in India and, and finding, finding new family there as well. So in a sense of peace, in a sense of understanding the great duality of our universe, of entropy and life, in a sense of being able to step back and process it all a little bit, here's hoping that all of you out there are finding your family and having a real deep sense of peace and welcome in the midst of that. We're going to listen to... Uh, Punjabi prayer hymn uh, that we were singing at one of our, our church visits here locally. So we'll see you next time. in every language is a raw recording podcast that is made as we travel so thank you for your patronage and patience as we go and now as we close this episode we are going to remind ourselves of the words of dr carson brisson 
who closed every class with a dear love and appreciation of our work as students. May you be blessed to be a blessing. And may peace, true peace and wholeness, find you wherever you are and wherever you call home. Shalom. Shalom.